Hey, Fidelity, can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity account. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Good morning. Breaking news. Emergency summit. President Biden huddling with world leaders in Europe this morning amid the ongoing war in Ukraine. While on the front lines, Ukrainian forces now pushing back Russian troops from the capital city of Kyiv. And this morning, new signs that growing resistance is forcing Vladimir Putin to shift his strategy. We've got complete coverage. Grilled on the Hill, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson under fire from Republican senators over her record on the bench. You sentenced him to 28 months. Why? Senator, I've said what I'm going to say about these cases. No one case can stand in for a judge's entire record. Democrats racing to her defense. You have earned this spot. You are worthy. You are a great American. After all is said and done, is she still on the track to be confirmed as the next Supreme Court justice? A live report from Capitol Hill just ahead. Road to recovery, new images of the damage left behind by that massive tornado that tore through New Orleans. Everything was leveled, the whole neighborhood was leveled. The state of emergency now declared as the cleanup begins. We're live in one of the hardest hit parishes. Wheels up, masks off. The new push for the White House to end mandates on planes coming from the CEOs of every major U.S. airline. Why they say it is time and would actually improve your safety on flights. All that plus royal backlash. Jamaica's prime minister tells William and Kate his nation is ready to move on from the monarchy as the prince delivers an unprecedented speech overnight. I want to express my profound sorrow Slavery was abhorrent, and it should never have happened. The reaction from London in a live report. And Peacock Pride. <laughs> a rousing send-off for St. Peter's, the Cinderella story of March Madness, as fans from coast to coast gear up for the start of the Sweet 16. Today, Thursday, March 24th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hey guys, uh, welcome to Today. It is 7 a.m. on the West Coast. It's a Thursday morning. Look at our Peacock the Peacocks. Team they play tomorrow. Yeah. We're rooting for them because they're the sweetheart of the tournament. Yes. And it's Peacock. Yes. We're we like must. legally required to yes. root for the Peacock in all circumstances. <laughs> so we'll have more on the tournament later, but we're going to begin yeah. this morning overseas with the war in Ukraine and this emergency summit now underway in Brussels. President Biden joined other NATO leaders for the traditional class photo, as they call it, at the start of this high stakes day long meeting. Yeah, it comes as many are asking, what is next for NATO? About 40,000 NATO troops are deployed around Ukraine right now. That's double the size since before Russia's invasion and assault now entering its second month. That's for the fighting in Ukraine overnight. Ukrainian forces managed to gain ground against Russian troops who are attempting to take over Kyiv. 
managing to push them back about 15 miles. We've got complete coverage from Ukraine's capital and that NATO summit in Brussels, and that's where we'll start with NBC's Kristen Welker. Hi, Kristen. Good morning. Hoda, good morning. The stakes could not be higher for President Biden. And this morning, President Zelensky adding more pressure, addressing the leaders here and saying that Russia has had, quote, a month of impunity for the destruction of a peaceful country. Also, NBC News has learned the White House is preparing for the worst, establishing groups, so-called tiger teams, to come up with contingency plans in the horrific event that Russia were to use chemical weapons. President Biden and world leaders in the midst of emergency talks in Brussels today, aiming to show a united front against Vladimir Putin and his war in Ukraine. NATO's Secretary General officially opening the extraordinary session this morning. We are united in condemning the Kremlin's unprovoked aggression and in our support for Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. With his country under siege, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky delivering a virtual address behind closed doors earlier this morning. Telling NATO leaders that Russia has used phosphorus bombs in the country against civilians. Though they're not classified as chemical weapons, that is banned under international law. NBC News has not verified those claims. It comes amid growing concerns Putin could use chemical weapons in Ukraine. And overnight, the Biden administration aiming to harness global outrage against Russia, officially accusing Russian forces of committing war crimes in Ukraine. Please be seated. Prosecuting war crimes typically involves a years-long legal process and investigation, and it's not clear if Putin will ever be held accountable. But U.S. officials say they will continue to gather evidence and turn it over to international investigators. As for today, U.S. officials say the president will unleash new sanctions targeting Putin and members of his inner circle. And on the minds of all the leaders here, fears Putin could set his sights beyond Ukraine to Eastern Europe. And this morning, NBC News has learned from a source familiar with the administration's thinking the United States is expected to announce today it will welcome up to 100,000 Ukrainian refugees and others fleeing. This is significant because it comes as the administration's policy has been under scrutiny, with some refugees being detained or turned away at the border due to COVID restrictions. President Biden will hold a news conference and address all of this at the end of the day. Hoda. Kristen Welker for us. Kristen, thank you. NBC's Lester Holt is also in Brussels traveling with the president. He joins us more about these emergency talks today. Lester, as we say good morning, you know, the president may announce more sanctions, hoping to show a united front with NATO. But of course, that had been the case from the start. What makes him think that this will change the course of the war or cause Putin to back off? Yeah, well, confidence is a relative term. Nobody wants to underestimate Putin. He didn't get the signals that there would be these tough sanctions if he moved uh, into Ukraine. It's happened. They hope they can push the clock back. But look, it's extremely important that the president of the United States, a month into this conflict, is here in Europe, standing shoulder to shoulder with American allies. Now, the question is, what happens from here? What signal will it send to Putin if they somehow don't come up with strong enough sanctions, strong enough moves on the military side. What signal does that send to Putin about what he thinks he might be able to get away with in the future? Well, of course, the Ukrainians have been asking for more help, more military help, the no-fly zone, which has been a non-starter so far for NATO. But a big question has been, will Putin stop here in Ukraine? If you ask Ukrainians, they say no. That's why we need NATO now, stop Putin in his tracks. How is NATO preparing for that possibility? 
Well, they are making the announcement that they are increasing troops and adding battle groups in uh, four countries on the eastern flank, NATO's eastern flank. Uh, Kristen mentioned those Tiger te teams a moment ago that are gaming out uh, some of the potential contingencies if, you know, uh, Russia were to move to chemical or biological or nuclear weapons, if they were to attack a U.S. security convoy, what that would look like. So they're obviously trying to get ahead, hoping that whatever they do here in Brussels will send the signal that no matter what you've done to this point, Mr. Putin, this is where it ends. Lester, thank you. And of course, we'll see Lester much more uh, for us tonight on NBC Nightly Let's News. Let's move more now to the situation on the ground in Ukraine this morning. There are signs that the fierce resistance being shown by the Ukrainian military is forcing Russia to rethink its strategy. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel joins us now from Kyiv. Hi, Richard. Good morning. Uh, good morning. First on President Zelensky. He released a video message addressing NATO just a short while ago, and he said since this war began, Ukraine has lived in a gray area between Russia and the West, but that it is fighting for the West. It is fighting on the same side of NATO, and he appealed once again for more weapons, including aircraft and 500 tanks. He said Ukraine is more than willing to pay for them, as Ukraine is now launching a counteroffensive. And a warning, some viewers might find uh, some of the images in this upcoming report disturbing. Ukrainian forces this morning claim to have destroyed a Russian supply ship and set fire to the port in the city of Berdyansk on the Sea of Azov. Berdyansk, the main Ukrainian port under Russian control, is critical to supplying Russian forces in Ukraine, who were anticipating a quick victory and now lack food and fuel, according to U.S. and Ukrainian officials. The port is near the city of Mariupol, which Russia continues to attack relentlessly and indiscriminately. Ukrainian officials say thousands have been killed and that 100,000 people remain in Mariupol under a total siege. A U.S. military official says Russia's offensive is shifting focus to the east around Mariupol and closer to the Russian border. A shift perhaps under duress as Russia's offensive in and around the Ukrainian capital, Kyiv, is suffering reversals. Ukrainian troops, according to American and Ukrainian officials, have managed to push Russian troops out of several key districts close to the capital. Two of Kyiv's top security officials showing me an unclassified battle map. The red areas remain under Russian occupation. Two big pockets outside Kyiv, one in the northwest that includes the Chernobyl nuclear site, the other in the northeast. The blue areas are new. Territory Ukrainian forces say they've recaptured in the past 48 hours. This is Kyiv here in the center. There are still many Russian forces to the northwest and Russian forces to the east. Are you worried that the capital could be encircled? Do you think that could happen, that Russia could expand its forces and end up surrounding the, the city? At this time, it's not possible, the official said. But it comes with a cost. Victoria is recovering this morning after a Russian bomb exploded outside her apartment. Shattered glass from her window, cutting her from her head down to her waist. Victoria says she has panic attacks when she remembers the trauma. What she wants now? Evil must be punished, she says. One month into this war today, President Zelensky called on the world to unite against Russia and stand with Ukraine.
Hoda. All right, Richard Angle for us there in Kiev. Richard, thank you. I'm back home now. Today marks the fourth and final day of hearings on Capitol Hill over the historic Supreme Court nomination of Ketanji Brown-Jackson. This after Judge Jackson faced a second day-long session of questions from senators. NBC's Garrett Haight joins us from the hearing room once again. Garrett, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. After more than 23 hours in the room behind me answering questions and getting grilled by Republican lawmakers, Judge Jackson's time in front of this committee is over. She's still on track to be confirmed. Judge Kintanji Brown Jackson on defense Wednesday, pushing back as Republican senators piled on, attacking her sentencing of child pornography cases as too lenient. I want people to go to jail who do that because you're feeding the bees. Senator, every person in all of these uh, charts and documents I sent to jail because I know how serious this crime is. The hearing growing more heated as the day wore on. You sentenced him to 28 months. Why? Senator, I've said what I'm going to say about these cases. No one case can stand in for a judge's entire record. Stand if you're not going to explain it, Senator, gonna... would you please let her respond? No, not if she's not going to answer well, my question. Well, if you're just going to give a speech, then uh, and, you shouldn't and, engage and, in And you, you are not taking my time. Democrats defending Jackson's sentences as consistent with 70% of federal judges, and even a Republican pushing back on the spectacle. I think we should recognize that the jackassery we often see around here um, is partly because of people mugging for short-term uh, camera opportunities. Judge Jackson avoiding answering some of the most politically charged questions, including her views on abortion and on adding justices to the Supreme Court. I'm a human being uh, and I have an opinion on a lot of things. The reason why, um, in my view, it is not appropriate for me to comment is because of my fidelity to the judicial role. Committee Democrats using their time largely to praise Judge Jackson's record and temperament and remarking on the history her confirmation to the court would make. New Jersey's Cory Booker with a late afternoon pep talk moving the judge to tears. You have earned this spot. You are worthy. You are a great American. Don't worry. God has got you. Here's what happens now. The committee is hearing from outside witnesses today about Judge Jackson's nomination. She is actually back on the Hill today, holding more meetings with more senators. The committee is hoping to report her nomination to the floor by April 4th. And the goal that Democrats have set for themselves is to have her confirmed to the court by Easter. All right, Garrett Hake on the Hill for us. Thank you. 714. Now Craig joins us. The latest on that horrible weather down south. Yeah, Hoda, Savannah, good morning. Good morning to you as well. We are now getting a clearer picture of those deadly and destructive storms, including the powerful tornadoes that tore through New Orleans. Uh, Mr. Roker standing by with today's forecast. First, though, NBC's Sam Brock back in New Orleans for us once again. He is in hard-hit St. Bernard Parish. Sam, good morning to you. Craig, it's absolutely devastating. More than 150 homes were either damaged or destroyed, just like this, in one neighborhood in Araby. What you're looking at over my shoulder right here is a laundry room where the appliances are still there on the floor. Everything else is gone, and all this damage happening in a two-block-wide swath. This is we're learning more about a tornado that claimed the life of a 25-year-old man and might end up being the strongest tornado that New Orleans has ever seen. This morning, heartache amid the havoc. 
Communities from the southern plains to the southeast picking up the pieces in the wake of deadly storms that spawned at least 64 tornadoes just since Monday. I've been through Katrina, but this was this was way, way worse because everything was level. The whole neighborhood was level. In Louisiana, entire streets now in splinters. The National Weather Service finding evidence of at least an EF3 tornado that killed the 25-year-old man. We had that one fatality and, and that home, um, from what they tell me, was lifted and came down on another house. Taryn Baker of Araby sheltered inside a closet with her two daughters as the tornado sheared off their roof and decimated a kitchen wall. Look at it. It's unlivable. You have to basically start all over. Governor John Bell Edwards surveying the destruction in hard-hit areas, expressing shock the human toll wasn't higher. The swath of damage is just tremendous, and you would think that we would have had a lot more deaths and injuries. Several parishes now under a state of emergency, while crews work to repair down power lines and clear roads. Across state lines in Alabama, a tornado ripping an anchored carport from the ground. In Texas, a grieving family pulling mementos from the rubble of a home destroyed by a tornado Monday night, killing 73-year-old Veranda Rogers. Glass pie dishes, now bittersweet reminders of what's been lost. My family, they cook a lot of pies, and so I picked those up. Back in Louisiana, a community all too familiar with destruction and loss from natural disasters preparing to begin again. It's devastating. It's um, rebuilding constantly, but it always rebuilds, and it always rebuilds better. So. This tornado in its totality touched upon an 11 mile stretch of land, but because of all of the marshland around here, really it was about two miles long worth of homes. This as this tornado plus the 2017 EF3 that hit New Orleans, those two were the strongest that have been recorded since records were kept. Craig. Sam, looking at where you are mm -hmm. to the governor's point in Louisiana, it's hard to fathom how it wasn't even worse. Mm -hmm. uh, Sam brought force there in Louisiana. Sam, thank you. That brings us nicely mm -hmm. to Mr. Mm -hmm. Roker. We yeah. want to know what's going on today. And guys, I think to your point, Craig, I think the reason for that was this, uh, the Storms Prediction Center started talking, we started talking about this uh, back on Thursday. So there's been plenty of warning time. And so people were, I think, prepared. Of course, you're never prepared when the tornado hits, but you knew what was coming. So that's good news. We're talking Monday, Tuesday, 40 tornado reports. So uh, this thing, when all is said and done, thankfully, such a low loss of life, that is something. Storm hazards today, a little quieter today than it's been the last 72 hours from Salisbury down into uh, central Florida. We've got a risk of some severe weather. Interestingly enough, we've got some winter weather advisories through New England and uh, upstate New York interior sections. You can see we've got a mixed bag of precipitation moving through the northeast on up into New England. We've also got a line of showers and thunderstorms along this front all the way down to Florida. Strong storms rumbling along the coast today. Tomorrow that system moves off, but we've got another system moving up into Canada that's going to be bringing snow showers around the Great Lakes. UP of Michigan could see upwards of six inches of snow and uh, up into door down East Maine we could be looking six to eight inches. Even the spine of the Appalachians looking at some heavier snow. The rain, some heavy stuff along the northeast coast as we stretch on down into the mid-Atlantic and we've got some heavier rain as you get down into the northeastern coast of Florida. And that's your latest weather. Guys? Alright, Al, thank you so much. Coming up amid all the devastating storms 
stories out of Ukraine. A remarkable one you have not heard, perhaps. It's about a phone app that's helping to keep thousands of people mm. alive. The technology being used each and every day. Jacob Soboroff will introduce us to the man behind it, one of the war's unsung, unsung mm -hmm. yet, one of the war's <laughs> most important heroes. All right, plus, would taking your mask off on flights make the skies safer and friendlier? Why the airline CEOs are making that case to the White House. They're calling for an end of the mask mandates up in the air. But first, this is Today on NBC. Hey, it's Mel Robbins. Let's cut to the chase. There is a change you want to make right now, but you're waiting to feel motivated. You don't need motivation. You've got me. You can change your life anytime you want. And when you're ready, the Mel Robbins podcast is here to help you with inspiration and simple science-backed tools to help you create a better life. Listen to me and you'll feel motivated, all right. Listen and follow the Mel Robbins podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's match engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's go, Peacocks. Okay, they are the Cinderella story of March Madness, the St. Peter's Peacocks. Remember that name. Oh, yeah. Getting that big send off. They left their small New Jersey campus. They are sweet 16 <laughs> bound. I mean, how cute is Come that? Come on. And I they're really the two wins away, which is easier said than done yes. from the final four. St. Peter's plays tomorrow. It's 15 seed, just two wins away. You can actually watch. We're going to stream the game yeah. for you on Peacock. And on, no, we're not. Oh, it's a joke. That would be good. I was going to say, we are. Yeah. But for everybody whose bracket got busted, which is everybody in the entire universe yes. except for you, you can, you know, you can root for somebody. I know. That's the Cinderella team this yep. year. So mm -hmm. sweet. All right, let's get to your headlines here at 730. We begin with breaking news. North Korea fired a suspected long-range ballistic missile toward the sea this morning. Its first such test since 2017. The White House condemned the launch, saying it was a brazen violation of multiple U.N. Security Council resolutions and added that it, quote, needlessly raises tensions in the region. In the meantime, South Korea's president called an emergency meeting. He criticized North Korea for breaking a self-imposed moratorium on ICBM tests. Federal health officials this morning are closely watching a highly lethal type of bird flu. It has devastated poultry farms along the East Coast and in the Midwest in recent weeks. There are no signs that the strain of avian influenza poses a danger to people yet. No human cases have been detected in the United States. But experts are on the lookout for potential mutations of that virus that could make it more of a threat.
The U.S. Capitol will reopen to the public for the first time in two years. Starting Monday, guided tours will be allowed for limited groups of people who have registered in advance. Public access to that building was closed off in March of 2020 as the coronavirus spread across the country. In a normal year, the Capitol sees about three million visitors. We turn now to that remarkable story that's emerging from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The U.S. says Russia has launched more than 1,200 missiles at targets there. Air raid sirens warn people on a daily basis, sending them into bomb shelters. But there's a very modern twist to those alerts, and it's also saving lives. NBC's Jacob Sober office in Lviv with exclusive details. Hey, Jacob, good morning. Hey, Hoda, Savannah, Craig, good morning to you. I want to show you guys something. Come check this out. These are Cold War era air raid sirens. They are everywhere in the city and they have become a constant background noise to life all across this country. But now the young creators of an app for phones just like this have somehow figured out a way to alert the public before those sirens and they say they're saving lives. As Russia's bombardment of Ukraine continues, Across the country, a familiar noise. This is the uh, fourth time today that the air raid sirens have gone off. Uh, yesterday, they went off five different times. Ukrainian President yep. Zelensky in an address earlier this week playing the blaring siren, urging Ukrainians to get used to it. Feels like a tech office in here. <laughs> including Valentine Heritsenko. The 32-year-old works for Ajax Systems, one of Ukraine's largest tech companies. And inside a building he asked us not to identify, we found his colleagues bringing Ukraine's air raid alert system into the 21st century. In the days after the invasion started, they developed and launched the app Alarm, a siren in the palm of your hand that sounds like the one on the streets. This is what it looks like on our producer's phone. This is not a couple of college kids no. sitting in a dorm room putting no. this together. No, no. It's very, very senior developers. Old school air raid alerts are sent to the streets by an official pushing a button. Now that same official also pushes a second button that triggers the app, which often alerts people faster than the sirens. The app's also given a lifeline to people in rural Ukraine, where air raid sirens don't always exist. How many people have downloaded the app? Four million. Four million. That day, the Russians released footage of what they said was an attack on a military base in Rivne. Valentine got word of it, too. Army guys, they heard the alert from our app and they uh, went to shelter. And you guys saved their lives? Yes. At least eight, he told us. How does that feel? I'm proud of uh, our company and of uh, our team. Like the sirens, the app sounds the all clear and they'll keep updating it. Different types of alerts, like chemical, nuclear. That's just terrifying to hear. Yeah. But that could be a reality. So it's better to be prepared. And Jacob, we know that Russia is notorious for cyber attacks. So are those app developers worried that Russia may try to like jam up their app somehow? You know what, Hoda, I had the exact same question and I asked Valentine that. He said he is worried about it, of course, but cybersecurity is quite literally what that company does. They are very prepared to uh, guard against any cyber attacks or any sabotage, uh, and they are ready to go. All right, Jacob Sobrov for us. Uh, thank you, Jacob. Yeah. Ukrainians stepping up. Yeah. The ordinary Ukrainians in every way, whatever they have, yeah. whatever skills, and that's mm -hmm. incredible. The mm -hmm. ingenuity of the Ukrainian people mm -hmm. continues yeah. to amaze the world. Yeah. Well, coming up next, the new push to end mask mandates on planes, and it's coming from the heads of every major U.S. airline. Yeah, why those airlines say it could actually improve 
Our safety in the skies. We'll have that for you right after this. Hey, it's Mel Robbins. Let's cut to the chase. There is a change you want to make right now, but you're waiting to feel motivated. You don't need motivation. You've got me. You can change your life anytime you want. And when you're ready, the Mel Robbins podcast is here to help you with inspiration and simple science-backed tools to help you create a better life. Listen to me and you'll feel motivated, all right. Listen and follow the Mel Robbins podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. We are back now, 739 with In-Depth today, and a new wrinkle in the ongoing and seemingly unending debate over masks. It does seem that way, doesn't it? So with COVID restrictions easing from coast to coast, the nation's largest airlines are now calling on the White House to allow the federal mandate for, for um, masks on planes and airports to expire next month. NBC's Tom Costello covers aviation for us. He's all over it. Hi, Tom. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, and everybody I know asks me about this. Yeah, the airlines are arguing it makes no sense. The passengers must still wear masks on planes when masking is no longer required in restaurants, sporting events, schools in most states. The airline group also says enforcing the mask mandate on frustrated customers has resulted in a serious spike in bad behavior. 6,000 reports last year. This morning, as air travel skyrockets to pre-pandemic levels, a new push to end the federal mask mandate in planes and airports across the country. In a letter to President Biden, the CEOs of every major U.S. airline cite a steady decline of hospitalization and death rates nationwide, writing, much has changed since these measures were imposed and they no longer make sense in the current public health context. Now is the time for the administration to sunset federal transportation travel restrictions. The group also calling on President Biden to end pre-departure testing requirements for all international flights into the U.S. I think this can make travel back to the U.S. a lot more stress-free. Earlier this month, the TSA extended the mask mandate to April 18th, a requirement that has been in place on planes and in airports for nearly two years. The burden of enforcing mask rules often falling on frontline workers and flight attendants, making their jobs harder and more dangerous. The FAA reporting a dramatic uptick in bad behavior in the skies since the start of the pandemic. Videos showing fistfights on board planes and passengers being escorted off, all because they refuse to wear a mask. This year alone, there have already been 961 reports of unruly passengers, 635 of those incidents directly related to face masks. These events need to stop, and we are working very hard uh, to do that. We will be continuing to work, uh, again, with airports, law enforcement, and the airlines uh, and our labor partners to make sure that we drive these events down. The FAA has taken a zero-tolerance approach. Unruly passengers now face potential criminal charges and stiff fines of up to $37,000.
We reached out to the White House for comment on the airline's request for essentially rolling back the mask mandate. We've not heard back yet. The TSA is reiterating the mask mandate will remain in place on public transportation and transportation hubs through April 18th uh, at the CDC's recommendation. Savannah? All right. Some international airlines, though, Tom, already have started lifting mm -hmm. those mask mandates. So it's a bit of a, uh, an experiment, I guess. How has that been received so far? So international airlines flying overseas, but not to the U.S. If you're on a flight to the U.S., you must wear a mask. Many countries, though, are not requiring masks right now. Parts of the U.K., Denmark, Norway, Barbados, Mexico, St. Lucia, the Bahamas, Jamaica. Uh, by the way, the U.S., Scotland, Italy, China are among the countries that still do require masks on planes. All right, Tom, we'll see how this develops. Thank you. I was on a flight last night uh -huh. from, from Detroit, sat next to a guy who was, who was being an idiot about his mask and didn't want to yeah. pull it off. He's eating his Doritos and the poor flight attendant uh -huh. had to enforce. It's uh -huh. burdensome yeah. on For the flight them. attendant. I think that's yeah. what's the top thing. Yes. Like, it's yeah. burdensome. Yeah. Why are People we take all? it out on them. Yeah. Yes. Why are the flight attendants being Police. Yeah. Forced to enforce this yeah. when the, the society seems to have moved on. It's, it's like when people get angry yeah. at a weather forecast. Yeah. <laughs> the weather's bad. But the difference is, I don't give out little tasty Biscoff cookies. <laughs> yeah. You could. Oh, I, I love can. those. Who doesn't like those? those are the best. Everybody like the Biscoff cookie. Come mouth. on, that's the best <laughs> part of flying. In the meantime, let's show you what we've got going on. High pressure, a big ridge in the west, record warmth there. We've got a blast of Canadian air here in the east, so it's a tale of two countries. Out west, we are. Are talking by Sunday, 37 uh, cities could be looking at record temperatures. And in fact, today's highs, a record expected in Elko, Reno, Sacramento, Palmdale, Needles, on into El Centro. And in fact, take a look, Salt Lake City, for the next three days, probably see record highs. Las Vegas, record highs as well. You come into the east, the northeast, chillier. From Rochester, though, down to Wilmington, we're looking at above normal temperatures. A little bit cooler as you get tomorrow from Cincinnati down to Jackson, Atlanta. And unfortunately, here in the Northeast going into the weekend. Bangor by Monday, 35. Same in Boston, 39. New York City, 30 in Buffalo. And unfortunately, for the next week, it's going to be colder than average in the East and around the Great Lakes, warmer than average out West. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, thanks, thanks everybody. Coming up next, Prince William's very public apology for, for wrongs of the past during the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge's tour of the Caribbean as Jamaica's leader tells the Royals, his country is ready to break away from the monarchy. We're live in London with the very latest on all of that. But first, these messages. Carson joins the table mm -hmm. talking about the royal backlash facing Prince William and his wife Kate as they carry out a royal tour of the Caribbean on behalf of the Queen. Yeah, the trip was intended to strengthen ties with Commonwealth countries, but Jamaica's prime minister now says his country is moving on. NBC's Kathy Park joins us now from Kensington Palace with more. Kathy, good morning. Hey guys, good morning to you. Yeah, this royal tour was intended to be a celebration in honor of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, but it has been marred by controversy because of Britain's ties to slavery. In Jamaica, Prince William addresses head on in a keynote speech. Overnight, a landmark speech in Jamaica. I want to express my profound sorrow. Slavery was abhorrent, and it should never have happened. Prince William, the future head of the royal family, answering for past wrongs, but stopping short of a full apology. Those remarks happening just hours after Jamaica's prime minister announced the island nation's plans to break away from the British monarchy and remove the queen as its head of state. Jamaica is, as you would see, a country that is very proud of our history, very proud of what we have 
achieved, and uh, we are moving on. Those comments coming after dozens of protesters gathered in Kingston, demanding an apology and reparations for Britain's slave trading past. Jamaica was once a British colony, and hundreds of thousands of enslaved Africans were forced to work on its plantations. That the appalling atrocity of slavery forever stains our history. While the pain runs deep, Jamaica continues to forge its future with determination, courage and fortitude. William and Kate's Caribbean charm offensive appears to be hitting a snag at nearly every stop. A protest in Belize, canceling their first engagement. Then in Jamaica, this photo showing the couple greeting children through a wire fence, criticized by some. But despite the controversies, the royals are also receiving many warm welcomes as they celebrate Jamaican culture. From playing the drums at Bob Marley's home, to a soccer scrimmage, and this selfie with the Jamaican bobsledding team. The royal couple forging ahead, trying to make the most of their eight-day Caribbean tour. And as for what's next on this royal tour, William and Kate are now off to the Bahamas. Guys, back to you. All right, Kathy, thanks so much for that. Appreciate it. All right. Meantime, we are counting down to the arrival of a friend we haven't seen in person in a long, long time. Ina Garten is going to be here to share her best tips for setting the perfect table for entertaining your guests. Coming up, your 8 o'clock hour. Hey, it's Mel Robbins. Let's cut to the chase. There is a change you want to make right now, but you're waiting to feel motivated. You don't need motivation. You've got me. You can change your life anytime you want. And when you're ready, the Mel Robbins podcast is here to help you with inspiration and simple science-backed tools to help you create a better life. Listen to me and you'll feel motivated, all right. Listen and follow the Mel Robbins podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.